What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of More Controversy here. Uh, we're here with former NHLer and current hockey agent, Nick. We're going to let you introduce yourself because you obviously know yourself best. So we're going to give you the floor here. Introduce yourself to our guests, uh, to our, our fans. Yeah, well, first, thank you guys for inviting me. Really, I really uh, do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm uh, 32 years old, fully uh, married with two kids, uh, played pro uh, for 10 years, uh, and since, since my retirement, I uh, became a sports agent, uh, even while I was still playing, which is uh, a thing that uh, you don't see often. Uh, and then I've been doing this uh, full-time with my, uh, my, my own agency for uh, three, four years, and you know had to deal with a uh, few pandemic, uh, pandemics here and there, but uh, so far, uh, so good, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. oh, now thanks for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it as well. Um, we just want to know, like, just to get us started here, what made you want to become an agent? And, and like, obviously, you did it while you were playing. So, yeah. Well, if I go back to my playing career, you know, like I started uh, playing a uh, goalie and I've moved up from uh, major AAA to the, the first rounder in the QMJHL, played four years with the Mountain Wildcats. Um, you know, wasn't drafted in my first year, even though I, uh, I attempted the uh, NHL combine normally for the first, second rounder. Uh, but while I was there, you know, I've uh, interviewed with maybe 20 uh, teams. Uh, and I think it was a big thing. But, you know, I looked around, my agent wasn't there, but everyone else's uh, agent was there. Like I was having lunch uh, by myself at the restaurants while I was seeing some of my friends with their agents. So, you know, it made me think if, if that was a normal uh, process uh, and then didn't get drafted the first year, didn't even get an invite, which I thought uh, before was normal. But now knowing what I know, when you're ranked uh, fourth best goal in the world, uh, I think the least, uh, the least you can have it's uh, at least an invite. Um, so I didn't get invited. Played Canada, Russia uh, at 18 years old, and then 19 years old. Had a really, really good uh, season. Uh, attended the uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, training camp uh, before the season, um, and then had a really good uh, conversation with Trevor Timmons at the camp. Says, "Look, Nick, we know we, uh, we are we are a good goalie, but we don't know if you can actually win some games. So go back uh, and prove to me that you can win." So I don't know, like. I was happy. I thought I was kind of part of the Montreal organization because I didn't know at the time. So I go back and two weeks later, I saw on the media that the same, the other goalie that was invited same time than me, Robert Meyer, signed an NHL three-year deal worth like 2.1 million. And I thought to myself, what did I just miss? So go back, had a really successful season at 19 years old. Uh, actually was uh, MVP of the league, last goalie to be uh, to have done that, um, you know, broke some record goal against average of all time, 2.01, safe percentage, finished a season with like 43 wins, 15 loss. Uh, and then the, uh, the camp was in Montreal in front of my family. I had like over 50 people for me and was drafted uh, in the, the fifth round by the Flyers. So, and at that time, I thought it was the best thing 
that could have happened to me because the Flyers were always looking for the goalie. And I still to this day think that they're still looking for that goalie. <laughs> Uh, and maybe we thought that Carter Hart could be, could be the one. I still think he's an outstanding goalie and he could do a good job for, uh, for them. So I go there. Um, first year, they call my agent and say, look, uh, we just signed uh, Chris Pronger to a big contract. We don't have uh, much money left. So trust us, sign a one-year AHL contract. You'll play in the AHL and go from there. So my agent told me, hey, we have a good relationship with them. Don't worry, go for it. So I signed that one-year deal. At Christmas, uh, there's some trades going on. They're, they uh, they brought uh, Michael Layton from Carolina. So at Christmas, I had a meeting with the GMs, uh, John Paddock at the time. Yeah, and he says, Nick, you've proved in QMJHL that you can win personal things, but prove to us that you can win you know, as a team as well. So go back in Moncton, we make few trades, uh, including like David Savard, what was that, uh, Gabriel Bork, uh, Brandon Wormley. So a few guys that played in the NHL. Um, and we actually won the, uh, the, the, the President's Cup. We went to the Memorial Cup, lost against uh, the Windsor, against um, uh, a guy named Taylor Hall, Grubauer, uh, <laughs> well, uh, at defense. So, no big, big team. But before the final, we played against uh, Drummondville, uh, both seizure. And the goalie was Jake Allen. They had uh, Sean Couturier. Uh, I believe they had maybe uh, Kulikov. Guy Boucher was the, the head coach. So they had a really, really good team. And they've won the, the year before. So we win in five games in Drummondville. And my agent come to me and my family because it's, uh, it's close by. Says, hey, I just got a phone with the Flyers. If you win the President's Cup the next round, you will get to uh, 250,000 of bonus. So I thought to myself, oh my God, that's great. So when we won the President's Cup, again, the St. Uh, John Sea Dogs, Jonathan Roberto, uh, there were so many uh, good players uh, in that team. Uh, Mike Hoffman actually plays for Montreal. And I thought to myself, which color will be my BMW? <laughs> so, um, but I was, later on, I was uh, with the restaurant with my family. My agent called, says, Nick, I have a good and bad news for you. I said, well, I'll start with the good news. He said, well, they want to offer you a contract. Okay, well, it's normal. What's the bad news? He said, it's a two-way. Well, that's good because that's NHL, AHL. That's, that's okay. He says, no. That's AHL, ECHL. I said, what? You've just mentioned that if I won the President's Cup and they asked me to win as a team, they asked me in the past to win as a, you know, as a player, like, what do you want me to do? He says, yes, but what happened is, you know, on a Friday, they gave me a call. I was in my, in my cabin, so I missed the call. I had no connection. They left a voicemail saying, you could have an entry level, but on a Sunday, they left me another call saying that they will they change things around because they signed a Russian goalie named Sergei Bobrovsky. So, you know, went from three, uh, three year NHL deal to a one year AHL two way. I asked for a trade, uh, 
but it didn't happen. And, you know, I was up and down AHL, ECHL at that time. And the following year, I signed with the uh, New York uh, Islanders for one year. And then the lockout came in and I've, I've moved out uh, in Europe for three years. Wanted to live a family experience with my uh, with my wife currently now. Uh, she had a daughter, uh, five years old at the time. So it was a big family experience for us, which we really uh, enjoyed. Um, and at 25 years old, I saw all those young goalies that I played with or against make their NHL debut, like Louis Domingue in Arizona, uh, Jay Callen with St. Louis, uh, Kevin Poulain with the New York uh, Islanders. So thought to myself, hey, what am I doing here? Like, I'm in France, I'm 24, 25 years old. How come, you know? But and at that time, I switched agent for a bigger agent who represent NHL guys. I thought maybe that was the switch I had to, to make. I, I received three phone calls in the first week and had nothing in the, lab, the, the next two years. Uh, so I just, there's some things that I liked uh, about my experience with agency, things I would have done differently. So when a friend of mine, who's now my, the co-founder of Propulsion and my good friend, he's, he asked me if he's the lawyer, says, hey, you have the playing background. I have more of the, uh, you know, educational uh, background, you know, like the, the lawyer thing. So how come we don't be together and uh, start our own agency? I said, okay, but there's one rule I want to keep until the end is to represent the player in the exact way I would have liked to be represented. And he said, okay, well, we'll do this. And to this day, we, we kept uh, the, you know, the, that rule, which is, you know, something really, really important for us. So that's how I kind of become a sports agent from my past experience. And I've always been really, really, um, interested about everything that happens outside the ice for the performance of the player, you know, like nutritionist, uh, off-ice training, uh, yoga, uh, mental, the uh, psychologist, like all of everything that could help the player perform. I was really, really big on that. So, you know, uh, that's why it was a, one of the other reasons why I wanted to start this. So, so during that story, you kind of talked about, you know, the Habs going another way uh, in the draft, you go in the fifth round and then the, the cabin story with your agent, would you say that like your lack of agent being present, was it something that kind of like put you down lower on the list for teams? For sure. Like, you know, when I, my first year of agility at 17 years old, like I was ranked fourth in North America for goalies. Uh, I was at the uh, combine uh, at that time, it was in Toronto. Now I think it is in Buffalo. Um, and you know, at the draft, the draft was in Columbus, and my agent wasn't there because he was scared of planes. You know, like, and when I see I'm alone and with my parents, well, I see other agents, you know, starting the fifth round, going down the stairs, talking with GMs. Hey, you know, my kid is still there. Like, come on, can can we at least make a, if you don't draft them, can we commit on an invite or something like that? But no one was there for me, you know, like it's, that's what the hardest part and to make the, the way back home alone and with my parents thinking that my initial dream was, was gone 
or was done was really, really hard to me because I've worked so hard for that day. But I worked even harder to get drafted and then to get uh, you know, a 10-year career uh, in the professional, even though I would have liked to get you know, a bigger NHL uh, um, you know, career. But I will make it another way. So how, how did you meet this agent? Like, was it you that reached out to him or, or he came to see you play in junior and that's how you guys went from there? Yeah, but like, no, it's, uh, he came to me, like I was really a big prospect uh, uh, when I was young, around 13 years old. I was 13, 14 years old. I had uh, over 10 agents uh, reach out to my parents. Uh, some were telling me that, hey, uh, we're going to buy you, uh, you know, the home gym for you to train. We'll uh, buy you equipment, sticks. We'll fly you out to, uh, to L.A., to Texas, to train with our initial uh, players. Like, I had so much uh, promises. But the thing that brought me to that agency was they're really, really big on developing uh, uh, French-Canadian goalies. Such, uh, and I was the goalie coach was uh, Francois Allaire which used to, you know, develop uh, Corey Crawford, Roberto Luongo, uh, Manny Fernandez, uh, Caron, Biron, all those big-time French-Canadian. And, you know, I, that's why I wanted to go with them. Uh, I felt that was the best fit for me, being a goalie, uh, with all those French-Canadian goalies at the time, not now, but at the time in the NHL. Uh, so that was my, my decision. And you said, or, or I don't know if it was Cam that brought it up or, or you said it, but you were kind of a, a player and an agent at the same time. And I know you said this in, in the class that you uh, came to at Bishops, you said it. Uh, there were some nights that you were playing against the guys that you had negotiated their contract. How does yeah. that happen? How is yeah. that, you know, teams like look at that and say, you know, I'm playing this guy, but he's negotiating one of my players' contracts. How does that work in, in, in the NHL and, and in the yeah. NHL? Well, so the thing what you need to, to know is that when I came back from um, Europe, I was 26 years old. So I negotiated my own ECHL contract because I knew I was going to, I had to go back from the bottom and to move up. So when I negotiated my uh, ECHL contract, well, you know, social media was starting to get, a little bit bigger, not as, as big as it is now, but, you know, it was starting to get uh, there. So, you know, two things that I wanted to differentiate uh, from other agencies was proximity and accessibility. And I think with social media, I was being able to reach uh, more people than, you know, being in the rings and, you know, talking with scouts uh, in person just because I was still playing. So that's why some of my teammates, some of my friends, saw the, the, the post or saw that, you know, I was posting a lot of, uh, about a few players that asked me for advice where I've played before, like, you know, in France and Denmark and the UK. <coughs> so those were the league where I felt really comfortable with my knowledge because I played there with the rules, uh, with the, the, the salary range and also the, the contacts because it's not like there's 30 teams uh, per league. Like it's between uh, 10 and 14. So I had a really good connection. And it started with, you know, three or four of my friends that play U Sport University, wanted to go to Europe, started there. And I gave them a really good service. And I think at some point, 
every AHL players or every pro players, no matter what the sport will tell you, at some point during the season, there's locker room talks, which, you know, you hang around on the road, at uh, the restaurant, someone is going to receive a call, uh, is going to go away, is going to come back, they're gonna, you're going to ask him, like, hey, who was it? Oh, it was my agent, like, giving me a call to see, you know, see what's up. Oh, yeah, my agent never gives me a call. I'll come. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of the season, well, okay, I'm going to bring, uh, you know, 10 sticks instead of three sticks. Hey, how come? Well, my agent negotiated that in that contract. Well, how come I didn't get that service? So it's all about details. And I had a lot of locker room talks where, you know, because I was doing such a good job with my clients, while their teammates were asking them to come to ask me if I were be, I was be able to negotiate their next contract. So I started having to represent a lot of players from France uh, for the French national team that played at the, the World Championship. And so now that's how I became, you know, notable in Europe. And that's how I, uh, I, I got, you know, players from ECHL teams because I just realized that most of big agency, I don't want to put them all in the same basket, but most of the big agency, I put it like, they put their player A, B, C. Like their A players, like NHL guys, their B players, like NHL slash AHL, and their C players, like, you're never going to make it back to the NHL, like, so, you know, that's, that's the difference. So I was putting a lot of energy on those C players to make it my A players. And that's how, you know, a guy who was drafting the HL played over 200 HL games, but was C player for another big agency. And he received what he never received from, from his agency before. Well, it, you know, Everybody has friends. They train with hockey players, and that's how I, I I made it so big that when I was still playing and negotiating my ECHL contract, well, in the summer, I was negotiating between ten and fifteen contract in Europe, and it started slow with France, UK, Denmark, but it became, you know, uh, Austria, Germany, uh, Slovakia, Norway, uh, Sweden, and that's how I. Uh, it became big and just happened that you know some guys wanted to stay in North America and wanted me to give it a try and next thing you know I find them at NHL development camp uh, HL contract and you know I'm I'm dealing my own contract with Julian Griswold of the Tampa Bay Lightning and we play against uh, St. John's who was uh, who was a HL team of Montreal in the past and I'm playing against one of my my clients, so it's uh, that was the sort of weird part. But I always had a tremendous respect from the GMs and from the hockey operation community because they knew how hard I worked as a player, and you know I was able to make the difference between you know, my professional hockey player hat and my agent hat. So, and I didn't want to, they never felt like I was fucking Pat Brisson, you know, like, you know. <laughs> so I was just a passionate hockey player, a young hockey player who wanted to prepare this second career. And 
you know, even to this day, they, they still respect that. So. Well, I'm guessing not a lot of people represent guys that they play against anymore, but uh, what other ways have, have agency or has agency changed um, since you started compared to now? Well, first, there's a shit more than before uh, of agencies. There's a lot, like the competition is really, really big. Like I remember when I was 14, 15, 16, I could have remembered six, seven agency. You know, that you, you could see, like, you could tell, okay, like, they represent uh, most of the NHL guys. Now, sometimes you can look at the uh, U16 prospect uh, camp, and there's actually more agency there is that uh, players on the ice, you know. So that's a big, big, big not struggle because I, you know, I started my own, so I respect the other that wanted to uh, start with their own. And... There's also a lot more of family advisor than before. Uh, it's, I know it's big in the US, so it start to be big in, in Canada. And I know parents are insecure, so they're ready to pay big money just to make sure they are doing everything right with, should I go to that camp? Should I go to that showcase, to that, you know, uh, which college should I talk to? And, because it's such a big jungle that they prefer to put their money on family advising. Um, so that's, that's where, like, what changed the most is that the competition, I think, is getting bigger, bigger every year. So are, are the agents also like this in Europe? Or is it, mostly, is it mostly here that it's like that where you're getting a bunch of agencies trying to bid on one kid? Well, you know, like in North America, just because hockey is the number one sport, it's, it's make uh, a lot different. You know, like one of my really good friends is, uh, is an agent for uh, like uh, a lot of the players that plays for the uh, uh, Montreal uh, CF, like a uh, football club. And he says, Nick, in Canada for that league, we're maybe two agency. So, you know, like we can, our rate can be really high. And, but if we talk about his partner that play that is based on maybe Spain, well, there's agency everywhere because soccer is, is big down there. So I think it depends where you are. Like we've just done a merch with a Norwegian agency, which was the before a, a GM for a big organization in Norway. Well, in Norway, there was few uh, Top player in the NHL have played there before, like Zuccarello and all those guys. So there's three agency in Norway, which you know uh, that's why we have a bigger time or we have a bigger uh, ra radar on where the, the big kids can can be. You know, so that's where depends which country. I believe uh, you know in UK, I'm gonna find uh, hundred of agents in the UK. So you need to, to go the right places. But most of North American agency prefer to stick with what they know best and, you know, maybe make a partnership with a European agency that because it's way more complicated and vice versa. <laughs> like the agency, let's say in Switzerland, will prefer to trust a North American based agency to, to uh, deal with NHL, AHL contract and CHL draft and instability uh, 
uh, you know, scholarship and everything. But in the, for us, in, in our agency, the good thing is I have a big knowledge of the Europe and I deal most of my contract in Europe just because it's what's bring them the, the food on the table for me as of now. But yes, my dream will always want to be, you know, having guys at the initial level. And there, there's a lot of change and a lot of turnover in hockey, you know, with new coaches, new GMs uh, pretty much every year. Um, so, so what's some of the biggest challenges you face uh, as an agent trying to reach out to, to teams to get your players' contracts and maybe even ask for trades or, or stuff like that? Well, I think not only in hockey, but it's been like this for a lot of years. Um, and I had the chance to, well, the chance or the opportunity to see that as a player as well, you know, and all of the most businesses. But if we talk about mostly hockey, it's who you know and being at the right place, place at the right time. Those are two big keys that you need most most of the time to have on your on, on your side, you know. So if you are trying to get you know a trade or an invite, most likely you will go to uh, people you know first, uh, than people you don't really know and you don't have any players. Like the agency that represent I don't know five or six clients for Minnesota, well it will be I think way easier for them to get an invite for one of their prospects that haven't been drafted there than somewhere where there's no players, you know what I mean? So sometimes it's like, hey, make that deal happen and I will bring your kid, you know? So that's, there's there's few things like this uh, behind closed doors. And, and how do you build kind of that new connection with, with the, like if a new GM comes in and he's never been a GM before, it's obviously you have to build that connection, that new connection. Is that something you take upon yourself? Like you reach out to him, try and build a connection, or is it you wait, you sit back, you wait for him to kind of, you know, fall in love? Well, no, it's, it's not like right now I'm having a lot of players in the NHL. Like it's right now there's most of them are at the AHL level. So I try to build a really good relationship first with the, the uh, you know, Q QMJHL scouts, which I know really well. Uh, for them to push my players uh, to get drafted or to get an invite. And then when I want to deal an HL contract, I, have a real, I may try to build a really good uh, connection and relationship with the assistant GM, which normally is in charge of the American League team. And after that, uh, you know, it's just, you need to remember that GMs and vice presidents or assistant GM, they have one thing in common that we all have together as a group. They're passionate about the game of hockey, you know? So that's why I always, when I'm feeling nervous, I'm not sure, I always try to remember, hey, he's doing that job just because he's passionate about the game of hockey, just like I do. So that's why it feels sometimes, and have, yes, I have, preference on few GMs that I have a really good attachment with. But if I don't need to speak with a, a GM for the Islanders, well, I'm not going to call him just to present myself to, at the end of the day, not present him with, with something. You know, it's uh, at the end, we, we need to, to make some business happen if we want, like, if we want to make, uh, 
time um, time worth it. Is there a difference in attitude between like GMs here and and there with how open they are to like new players or whatever if they're looking like? Or is their attitude towards agents different at all or no? Uh, in, in North America? Yeah, just like anywhere in the world. Like, do you find there's a difference like here compared to Europe compared to anywhere else? Um, well, it's it's funny because agents, uh, not like GMs are, it's different. Like, let's say by example, Julian Brisbois with the Lightning, I can send him a text. Hey, Julian, can you give me a call? We can get five minutes. And he gives me a call, boom, right away. You know, like there's guys like this, but there's also guys who, you know, you want you make a call, leave a voicemail for a player and you don't hear back for months, you know, and that's where, and sometimes in Europe, when I started, it's well, Hey, if I'm not interested, I'm just got, not going to answer you. Well, you can send 10 emails and they're never going to answer you. But once you have one player playing for another team and he performs, they're going to be all over you like you're, you know, the next thing. So that's where you need to uh, be patient, but know your player really well and where the fit would be good. You know, you're not going to sell it a player in the big league in DEL or in Sweden, if the kid uh, just cause coming off of junior, you know, like you need to be smart about which one you contact and for who you're, you're contacting. And look, I'm going to assume that you have the best uh, knowledge of, of what's going on in the NHL right now of the three of us. So I'm going to ask <laughs> you a question and uh, let's see, let's see if you know what's going on. Who's going to be the next GM of the Habs? Oh my god! Uh, I I don't know. Seriously, I don't know because right now it's a total mess uh, with the abs, and I I feel bad for uh, Dominique Duchamp, like the head coach. I really do feel bad for him because I, I feel that he's trying his best, and I just don't know why players or you know. Uh, Reporters are talking so much about that fucking system. You like need to adjust for the system. He used that same system in major junior with the world junior, where you know, like he's, it's not rocket science. You know, like you press at one or you press at two, it's pretty basic. You know, so uh, but the next GM for Montreal, I know he needs to speak French. That's <laughs> that's non-negotiable for people of, of Quebec, that's for sure. So will they, they were talking about uh, interviewing uh, three women, uh, which is always good, you know, thinking outside the box. But at the end of the day, it's a Montreal Canadian. You can't, yes, you can learn while you do it, but you need at least a minimum of experience and knowledge to make that big step, you know, uh, GM of Montreal Canadian is unfortunately not the same stage than GMs for the Arizona Coyotes. You know? So there's a level of pressure that you need to, um, uh, to achieve or to be able to contain with Montreal. Is that something you've ever thought about doing? I was going to say, making that transition to, to being a GM. Like, a, am I talking to a future NHL GM right now? 
no, I've never <laughs> been uh, that much uh, interested about it because you know now I'm in I'm my own boss and I have my own challenges like maybe in a, in a big future but I still have few uh, few things I want to achieve like I want my first NHL contract signed I want my uh, first uh, NHL draft I want to be an NHLPA certified agent all those things I I, I you know I want to be able to go at the Bell Center and tell my friends and my wife well I'm going to watch one of my players on the ice you know like Maybe uh, if I do this for 25, 30 years, maybe I'm going to be ready for a new challenge. But as of now, at 32 years old, I, I'd rather stay focused because I'm still passionate of the game like I was as a player. So every time I see my players perform, it's like I do perform. So I still have those, uh, you know, those, those chills, even though I watch uh, players in the QMJHL and they do warm-ups, like, still have, you know, those uh, tickling that I, I, I wish I, I could have uh, be, been there again. Speaking of watching your players, um, speaking of going to see your players play, um, most of our fans are Habs fans. So um, you do represent one of our one of our old friends in Dale Weiss. So you want to give us an update on him and uh, just check in with him? Like, how, how's it going? How's he like in playing in Europe now? Obviously, he's towards the back back part of his career but yeah but you know Dales is a is a great person uh he's a really really uh, um there's a reason why people like him and because he's giving up his uh, own time for for you know the, the fans the community and uh, he's, he's really big here uh, I know for him it was a challenge to uh, go to Sweden because he had to to live his uh, leave his family behind now he has a, a wife and four kids uh, which uh, it's, it's never easy to do. Uh, and I know being there, um, it wasn't the start that he was expecting just because of the injuries. And he sees uh, all of his teammates uh, starting to perform, the team performing. But now that he's got back from his uh, second uh, injury, uh, I think his game starts to um, uh, move up. Uh, I know the team is really, really uh, happy about him, about the way he performs. I know a few of the fans in Sweden were really surprised when he, he knocked the guys off uh, in middle ice uh, out of the blue. Like people were, oh my God, what was this? You know, so, uh, but uh, no, I think he, he, he can play hockey. You know, he's more than a power forward. I think he had some, some skills, got some, some speed. And I just recently, it's been, uh, it's been really good. Uh, I know the uh, kind of the Christmas break will probably uh, do him good. Uh, I'm not too sure again if his family will uh, travel to, to Sweden with all the, the new cases that's uh, has been going on. Uh, but it's 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 never easy to go away and do this by your own. But man, he's such a passionate kid. It's unbelievable. Like he's passionate about everything. He's, he's uh, as passionate. Uh, on the ice that he is off the ice with you know doing podcasts and being there all the time so uh, no i just uh, wish him the, the the best and i know for him it's kind of his second time in europe which is on different uh, it was a different stage of his career uh, but he's playing in uh, one of the best league in europe so hopefully uh, you have a good uh, end of the season and can get himself a, a bigger opportunity for next year 
I think we'd all love to see that. He, he was definitely a fan favorite here. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of, of players you represent too, just to shift it a little bit, there's an upcoming World Juniors Championship um, in about a month, not less than a month now, a couple of weeks. Um, are you representing anyone that's going to be playing in the tournament? Or do you have any... We're having discussion with few uh, that I can't tell you, uh, but they're not, they're not from uh, Canada. They're from a different country. But so that's where my partner and I will have a really, really big look uh, on the world junior, what's going to happen. It's always fun to watch uh, Team Canada because uh, there's a lot of players I know, French Canadian playing the, or players playing the Q. Um, but yeah, we, we got some few players that we're having discussion with right now uh, that will be at the world junior. So it's going to be really interesting to uh, watch them live instead of uh, going in stats and watch their previous game and all that stuff. So uh, yeah. Are you going to the tournament? No, so far I'm not going. I don't feel that, you know, it's something that I, I need to attempt. Uh, my wife, she's immunosuppressed. We got two kids there uh, here. And, uh, I think uh, I'm gone so many times uh, during the week uh, at, uh, at the rinks that I want to keep some of those uh, bonus points uh, to myself. <laughs> oh, that's fair. On a, on a non-agent level, is, is watching hockey games just – can you just sit back and relax and enjoy it, or are you always kind of working when you're watching, watching games? I think the only time I kind of uh, watch games just to relax is while I'm working and there's, you know, in the background, there's, I don't know, Tampa Bay Lightning against Montreal Canadian, just because, uh, you know, I, I was part of the board organization for – for a little bit, so there's always excitement. Um, but when I watch American League or watch uh, when I watch ECHL or Major Junior, I'm always kind of uh, on evaluation mode. You know, like, oh, maybe this guy after that season, if he's not playing in North America, maybe in Europe, he could do good in that league. Or I wonder who representing him. Or So that's, that's where I'm at. But I'm always looking to see because I like to compare my players and their play, even like in midget or major junior, to a certain uh, player in the NHL. So when that player plays, I like to see what he does to make his play successful and try to remember that and tell my player, hey, watch this. Here's what he's making, like, you know, uh, D2D, quick up of the ice. So he's always never... Uh, juggling with the puck too much, uh, make sure to play it back, look at stick, you know, stick on puck, uh, take times and space away. So all those few things that I'm always watching, uh, but I'm, I'm really just relaxing and enjoying the, the, the hockey game. And, and for you, I don't know if you have any goalies, but being a goalie, is it something you try and you try and help them out if you do have a goalie? Like, is it easier for you to connect with a goalie than it is for you for an average player? Yeah. Well, I always uh, tell that goalies are special, but in a good way. You know? <laughs> uh, but yes, for sure, we do represent goalies. There is uh, also one coming up, uh, only 15 years old. That's uh, probably going to be a top five, top 10 overall at the next uh, QMJHL draft. Uh, you know, they're... Team Canada is always uh, is already talking about him being 
uh, among the, the pipeline uh, for next summer. So it's, yes, it's easier for me to, to speak the same language to the goalie than, you know, I don't think there's a specific language with the forwards, but, you know, goalies, when I talk about RVH and, uh, you know, uh, dead angle and reverse inside knee and, you know, butterfly slide and, you know, there's a few things like edges that if I do speak with the parents, it's going to say, what are you talking about? You know, so that's, yes, it's, it's with my background being what, you know, because I was able to do, you know, going from major Tripoli first round in the queue and QMJHL and after pro and Europe. So I can relate to them. And what I tell them is that, hey, uh, you will be going through the exact same step that I just did as a goalie. I know the challenges. I know it's frustrating, let's say, for a guy like Samuel Montambo, who's behind Jake Allen, who's not playing much. Like, I know how it feels. I don't know how it feels when you're at the NHL level, but, you know, I, I was had it in the, in the AHL with the, when I was with the Flyers. So I, I had it in major junior as well. So, yes, it's easier to relate uh, and communicate with a goalie than if I wasn't a goalie. Because I know that it's, uh, it's tricky for other agency. And I have still a really good connection and good relationship with other agency. Like, we, we respect uh, uh, ourselves a lot. And some agency, Nick, you can take all the goalies you want because there's too fucked up for me. Uh, <laughs> um, on a less serious note here, um, who's, the, who's your favorite guy to play with and maybe play against also, like, from your time in junior or the pros, uh, whatever, whatever level? Well, I, I, I've loved played with David Savard. My God, this guy, like I played with him at 18, 19 and 20 years old when we won the President's Cup. Such a outstanding human. Uh, I don't know. I think he doesn't know what pressure is. Like he comes to the ring just happy. Like I'm sure he was when he was younger. He plays... Um, you know, when I was uh, 18, 19, at his age, he we used to play street hockey, and he had the exact exact same, you know, smiley face. And he has sometimes now when I watch him during warmups, like such a great guy. Uh, he can do it all on the ice. He can make some points, had a good shot. He can be physical. He blocked thousands of shots for me, uh, which was a big reason why we won the President's Cup that year. And, you know, always uh, humble guy. Uh, so, no, I, he was one of my favorite players to, to play with. All right. And last one for you. Uh, one question we ask all our guests. If you were stuck on a, on a deserted island, you get stuck. There's nothing around. What are the three things you're bringing? Anything you want. Anything? What's that? It can't be food. So you can't say food. No. Yeah, you got you to gotta hunt for your own food. Uh, maybe I would bring a boat. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, uh, a boat. Um, hmm, actually, uh, well, water for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, the third thing. I know an engine to make sure the boat. Uh, <laughs> All right. Fair enough. 
So you're, you're just really trying to get off the island is what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Always <laughs> trying to find solutions, you know. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Nick, once again, we just want to thank you for hopping on with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. It was a great interview. We had a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks for, you guys. Thanks for uh, inviting me. I really do appreciate it. And we wish you all the best trying to trying to knock off all those goals that, that you got set forward. And uh, maybe yes, one sir. day we'll see you as the GM of the Habs. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Good luck, boss. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Bye. <laughs>